The Bloody Podcastacre with Zach Walters and Kennedy Catherine. And to this good old old style pill. To this old pilsner. We're just a couple of boys enjoying some brews. Look at mine. Why is it so frothy? I don't know. Did you really? Well, you also ran up the stairs. Yeah, but mine's not doing that. Were you carrying mine like this? Yes, I was. I was shaking it over my head. That is Zachary Walters. And that's Kennedy Catherine. And this is the Bloody Podcastacre. Welcome back. Feels like I haven't seen you in... Years. I know, but it's just because... We're recording on a different date than we normally do. And because you got a haircut, it's disorienting. <sighs> I did. Um, I did not. I look unkempt. That's no, okay. you don't. No? No. Remember the nice photos you posted on Instagram and on Twitter? On Twitter specifically. That was yesterday, and I haven't showered since then. But that's fine. I wouldn't know that until now. Thank you. What's new in your life? What have you been up to? Oof. Um, not a heck of a whole lot. Cool. Mother's Day. Mm. I did it. I did not. My mom lives three and a half hours away. But I called her and I said, happy Mother's Day. And I said, bye-bye. And that was kind of it. Great. We are both getting vaccinated. I'm so excited. I am having a very strange reaction to it where I keep telling myself it's not going to happen. I'm also trying not to hype myself up too much because I'm like, I'm going to get up there and there's not going to be any. Right? Where we live at the moment, vaccinations have been known to like not be there when you go for your appointment. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. My uncle went to two different places out of town. Mm-hmm. He had an appointment booked. They ran out. Our city ran out in one place. But, like, apparently there's, like, a lot of, like, bigger, like, drive throughs that are just, like, throwing them out at the end of the day. I know. Okay, I had seen that, and I just don't understand it at all. Like, just because of, like, the shelf life of them? Somebody that I know was walking through a grocery store that had a pharmacy in it at the end of the day, and the pharmacist just yelled out to them and was like, do you want a vaccine? We have extras. And she went and got it right then and there. I should just go do that. I think we have a lot more now. Right. Because they really opened up the age range Mm -hmm. by a good 20 years. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that by the time I go next week, I'll be vaccinated. Me too. I should be vaccinated in the next three days. Um, I don't think I got my flu shot last year. Like this pat like during COVID? I don't think I've got my flu shot for the past three years, to be honest. Ever since they stopped doing the nasal one, I said, I don't need it. <laughs> Are you afraid of needles? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm more afraid of blood work. Right. That's all. I just work myself up too much and then I usually pass out after the fact. I understand. That's why you want somebody to be with you. Yeah. Got who it. the person I'm growing with also has an intense fear of needles. I'm a had... great person to bring with you. Well, if you'd like to come. <laughs> I sadly will be working, but... Um... Yeah, I get three hours paid time off. We all do. It's sanctioned by the government. Oh, right. Um, also, I got a pay raise at my job. Congratulations! Thank you. That's amazing. So, one step closer to making a livable <laughs> Oh, they're going to say one step closer to retirement. I mean, that too, but... So happy for you. Thank you. It's not a lot, but it's doing something. I never said it on the podcast because I'm not sure it matters, but I did start a new job. Yeah, you didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I didn't tell anybody. You just went. I you just were, you went. just went into a new workplace and you're like, I work here now. And they I were did. like, okay. <laughs> M- multiple people were like, I'm sorry, where are you working now? And I was like, that's a great question because um, I have not told a single soul. It wasn't you. I. Uh, it was you. It was me. 
I'm the problem as per usual. And that's that. And that's that on that. That's personal news. What about horror news? Um, they're doing a Conjuring prequel comic book series. Hmm. It's called Conjuring the Lover. Oh, sorry. The Conjuring the Lover. What is that about? It's a prequel to The Devil Made Me Do It. I don't care for it, to be quite honest. It's about a, like, normal college freshman and, like, the awkwardness of facing a boy she wishes she'd never slept with. Get and out I'm of like, here. I'm like, but then something evil has made her target. Which, what? Like, you know what? I'm like, what? Who cares? If this is, like, a pivotal moment in the Conjuring series where we have to read this comic book about the lovers. In their freshman year of college? Yeah. Consider me out. I'm not going to read it. I might. But um, another thing, Paranormal Activity 7. We've talked about it a couple of times. We have. It was supposed to hit theaters March 2022. But now it's supposed to be out by the end of this year. Hell yes. We pushed up. We love to see it. So it's supposed to be on Paramount Plus. I've said that before. We're going to probably have to get Paramount Plus if we can. It's okay. We'll do um, we'll do the free monthly trial yes. when it comes out and then we'll call it quits. Good. But yes. we are going to go see The Conjuring together in theaters. Yes. Absolutely. That comes out in like two, three weeks. I know. I'm so excited. We'll be vaccinated by then. Oh my gosh. It's just movie theater popcorn. Right? Even though I have had some, I had a friend bring some over. Yeah. Um, they're making another Children of the Corn movie. Are they? Yeah. A remaker? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, the, they don't have a release date, but I did see some like set photos and images. I don't even really know what that movie's about, to be honest. There's like a 70s or like an old one, and then there's like a 2000s one. There's a 2000s one? I'm pretty sure there's two. I'm gonna look. Another thing. Mm-hmm. So Shudder is doing this cool new like offering for people over the summer called Summer of Chills. Okay. And they're releasing a new horror movie every week from June 3rd to August 19th. That's awesome. So all summer there's going to be 13 new horror movies coming out on Shutter. That's awesome. And I'm kind of excited. I like look through the list just there's like a brief synopsis on all of them. Yeah. And some of them I'm like excited to watch. Is there anything that's well known? No, I don't think so. Like I don't think it's anything that's like a conjuring or anything, right. but um while we're on the topic of Shutter, we uh we're going to do The Dark and the Wicked this week, which is a Shutter oh, original. Com- I've already completely wiped it from my mind. I am not saying that people won't enjoy it. I really did not like it, and I opted for us not to do it right now at the very least because it's so bleak and very unforgiving. The biggest topic at hand, I would say, is suicide. It's really hard, and we kind of touched on this last episode, it's really hard for us to talk about things like that with any sort of real substance because there wasn't enough for me at the very least to support the plot for a movie to have ended with an entire family is dead because everyone's killed themselves with this very unsubstantial backstory i was just like hmm could do without could do without was it a long one like was it like i don't uh, think two hours no no i think it was actually but my roommate and i both like by the end of it we were miserable we both agreed it was not it was one of the worst movies i've seen in a long time lastly there was a trailer for awake which i just made you watch looks kind of like um mix of bird box with like there is elements of horror i don't know if i would say it's 100 percent horror um no it looks more actiony uh like thriller Mm -hmm. it's very bird box style yeah but it looks very good and i'm very excited i like the I like the, like, stages of, like, having those... Well, do you want to explain? The trailer is centered around Gina Rodriguez. I love and hate her. Um, I did watch, like, two seasons of Jane the Virgin. Never watched it. It was fine, and then I got bored. 
But essentially, it centers around her, I'm assuming her... I don't know if it was her brother, her son, but her daughter for sure. I think it was her son. He just seemed... Too old. Old to be her son. Yeah. But there's some weird satellite mishap where satellites look like they're falling stars. All the satellites go out in the movie, and that includes car radios, the actual satellites, TVs, whatever. It makes everybody not able to fall asleep. Yeah, it triggers some sort of weird response where none of these people who I think witnessed this event, I don't know that it's everybody. but the... I think it's everybody. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, yeah, the people can't, no one can sleep. But it goes through three stages, what they showed us. I don't remember the names of them. The first one was just like hysteria. It, well, it was like number one, disoriented, hysteria, delusions, mm-hmm. um, hallucinations. Progressing as time goes past i think the first stage was the first 48 hours of not sleeping and then it was like you know five days and then after that it's like we're gonna start dying because we can't sleep but like our bodies can't function off of that but then it turns out her daughter is one who is able to sleep so she's this magical gift to the world and they have to figure it out i'm hoping that like the trailer isn't hyping it up too much you know yeah i felt like a, quite a few netflix movies recently have been hyped up and really let down mm-hmm. so i agree with that I always found that element of Nightmare on Elm Street to be really interesting because in, in Nightmare on Elm Street, they can't sleep because that's when he shows up. It's in their dreams. That is one of those things as a person who goes through long periods of time where I can't sleep is such like a misunderstood sort of, not phenomenon, but affliction. So people who sleep, if they have a bad night of sleep, they'll complain like, ugh, I had a shitty sleep last night. And I'm like, I've slept eight hours in four days kind of thing. Mm-hmm. People don't understand what that does to you, like, emotionally and physically. Mm-hmm. And so and when... just, like, mentally in general. Yeah. And it just wears you out. The person that you are is different when you are in those periods of time. And so watching Nightmare on Elm Street as an adult and watching that, I was like, oh, there's this whole element that as, like, a teenager, I didn't even really fully understand because you're just like, well, stay awake. What? You can't. Yeah, you can't. Like you cannot do no. that. And in this movie, people are like, we will die. We will die in the next two weeks if we can't figure this out. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's such a fun sort of thing to play with. Like, as you were saying before we, we turn the mics on, to take away someone's senses or someone's like natural abilities mm-hmm. or what should, sorry, should be a natural ability is a really interesting concept. Have you ever seen that movie where they lose all their senses? Mm, I don't think so. It is a lot. Ewan McGregor is in it. Perfect sense. No, I haven't. Um, the chef, who is Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. and um, the scientists fall in love with this epidemic breaks out. Slowly everyone loses their taste. And then there's this like really gruesome scene of like just people eating raw pigs in the streets. And I like... What the group I was watching this with, this was like pre-COVID, a lot of people started like gagging and left the room. Ooh. And I was, like, trying to, like, keep my composure just because it was, like, so violent. Yeah. But, yeah, then eventually they lose... I think they go taste first, and then they lose hearing next. They don't lose sight until, like, the end. Mm -hmm. And then touch last. Wow. I really liked the movie overall. It's a drama. It's not a horror. No. Oh, um, Eva Green is in it. Eva? Eva? Oh, Eva Green. Yeah. I really like her. I just looked at the poster. And I was English like, oh. actress. She's very good. Um, I think I actually have seen pieces of this now that I think about, about it. I went through a real Eva Green phase a couple of years ago. Yeah, I would definitely give it a watch. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. No. 
We decided after our little foyer into the world of Ed and Lorraine Warren that we would continue on, and we watched the original Amityville Horror. Do you know what's such a fun word to say? Amityville. Amityville. It's just like, it just rolls off the tongue. It's it kind does. of feels like a tongue twister, but it's not quite there. Mm-hmm. Amityville. I think we both have a lot to say, so I think I should just jump into the plot and get it out of the way. Let's okay. do it. I'm gonna... <laughs> fun fact. I did not fully watch this movie. Had you seen it before? No. Um, I saw the 2005 one. Very good. And I also saw the 2011, the Amityville Haunting. There which... are so many Amityville Oh yeah, don't... we're getting into it later. Don't you worry. Ugh. There's 28 versions, iterations of this movie. We'll get into it. In the early morning hours on November 13th, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. murdered his entire family with a shotgun at their home in Amityville, New York. One year later, George and Kathy Lutz, a young married couple, moved into the home. Though neither are particularly strong in faith, Kathy, who has three children from a previous relationship, does have some attachment to Catholicism. The couple turn to Father Delaney to quickly bless the home, but he encounters problems. A room full of flies, violent stomach sickness, and later, blisters on his palm when trying to make a phone call to Kathy at their home. The experience eventually stops when a door is opened and a voice whispers, Get out. He rushes out of the house when the voice yells at him, but continues trying to help. Later, he's involved in a car accident resulting from a mystery malfunction and becomes frustrated at the lack of support from his superiors in the diocese. He ultimately appears to lose faith, becoming blind and having a breakdown. Kathy's aunt, a nun, comes by the house one afternoon, but becomes violently ill. George begins to become more sullen and angry over the cold temperature in the house and obsesses by splitting logs and keeping the fireplace stoked. Before Kathy's brother's engagement party one night, $1,000 to be used for the caterer inexplicably goes missing in the house. Meanwhile, the babysitter watching Amy, the daughter, for the evening is locked inside a bedroom closet by an unseen force. Further unexplained incidents occur when one of the two boys suffers a crushed hand when an open window falls on it, and Amy gains an imaginary friend, Jody. Kathy catches a glimpse of two red eyes outside her daughter's second-story bedroom window. Even the family dog, Harry, scratches obsessively at a brick wall in the basement. George's land surveying business begins to suffer with his lack of attendance, and his business partner, Jeff, grows concerned. Jeff's wife, Carolyn, very sensitive to the paranormal, is both repulsed and intrigued by the things she feels in the house. While in the basement, Carolyn begins demolishing a wall with a hammer, revealing a small room behind the wall. Discovering the damage, George takes down the rest of the wall to find a small room with red walls. Carolyn shrieks that they have found the, quote, passage to hell. Only now, her voice sounds like Father Delaney's. Throughout the strange incidents, Kathy observes George's persistent waking up at 3.15 a.m., feeling he must go check on the boathouse. She also has nightmares where she hears details about the killings of the home's prior family. Research at the library and county records office suggests that the house is built atop a burial ground and that a known satanic worshiper named John Ketchum once lived on the land. She also discovers the news clippings about the DeFeo murders and notices Ronald DeFeo's striking resemblance to George. Finally, everything comes to a head one stormy night. Blood oozes from the walls, and down the staircase, Jody, appearing as a large red-eyed pig, is seen through a window. George attempts to kill the children with an axe, but regains his wits after Kathy disrupts him. After falling through the basement stairs in a pit of black sludge while rescuing the dog, George and the rest of the family drive away, abandoning their home and belongings. A final title reads... George and Kathy Lutz and their family never reclaimed the home or their personal belongings. Today, they live in another state. Womp womp. (laughs) Womp fucking womp. 
I just, like, here's my thing with this movie. I realized watching the first half hour, I have no sympathy for these characters um, who willingly put themselves into those situations. Because they knew, you know, there was some sort of weird coincidence accident that happened that there was five people murdered in this house. I mean, like, you're not going into it being like, oh, well, it's obviously haunted, but you're like... They knew. Yeah. So, it's like, you want demons? It's like, here. Here you go. You quite literally paid $80,000 Which is like, okay, rude. Right? I know. I was like, I could do that now. I don't sympathize with them, but I will pay $80,000 for that beautiful house. If, okay, if someone said, this house, $80,000, but five people got murdered, baby, take the $80,000. Yeah, it's my house now. I will live mortgage free. Don't you worry about it. I mean, no, I wouldn't, but. Me neither. um, I'd find somebody to bless the house. It'd be fine. There used to be a pool in the house. I know. Which is wild. Yep. And I don't think it's connected because it used to be also a boathouse. And I don't know if that's still there. The house has been remodeled because of the amount of visitation about people showing up. So the house doesn't look the same. I'm not sure what still exists. I think it still looks similar It does. Like it does. This, like the same, like the molding I know is different on the outside. The windows are not there. The iconic windows are gone. But, like, the same, like, structure itself mm-hmm. is still there. Mm-hmm. This movie, I think the problem was it was already dragging on too long in the first 30 minutes. I felt like I got everything I needed to know and what was going to happen in those first 30 minutes. I was like, I don't really need to know what else is going to happen. I know what's going to come, so I don't need to watch anymore. I think the experience watching it, having seen the remake or knowing the story, because it is such a widely known story, makes it a really different experience because I watched it when I was a teenager and I really enjoyed it. This time around, I was just bored. It's a long movie. Mm -hmm. It was made in the 70s, so it's the effects are not great. And some of them I really enjoyed. It's not terrible. It could be much worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an incredibly long story where quite little happens, really. Do you know what actually blows my mind that I didn't know about this movie? Mm-hmm. Is that, so obviously it was brought to screen from Jay Anson's novel about the Lutz family, but it was an indie film. Was, I did not know that. Yeah. And it's the high, well, it was the highest grossest independent film until 1990. Good for, Wow. Like, I did, like, go through the movie and just kind of, like, pick apart some pieces. I didn't watch the full thing, but I definitely got to the end. And the scene where the blood does come out of the walls, I was like, this is so well done. Like, there was, like, there is moments where I was like... I would say that the worst part of it is, quite honestly, the sound design and oh. and the acting. And I like all those actors. Like, Josh Brolin and Margot Kidder are both great actors but i do think that acting quite literally looked different yeah also i thought that was chris christopherson <laughs> like a star is born barbara streisand chris christopherson oh i was like oh i didn't know he was in this movie then i googled it and i was like that is not chris christopherson um like the sludge part yes i was like that was good yeah. the blood part i really liked mm-hmm. the flies don't even get me started on that oh. because i don't even want to know how they did that My roommate was telling me, so my roommate who's Australian was like, oh no, that's just what it's like in Australia because they go for the eyes and the mouth. Mm -hmm. Ooh! Last summer, my parents' backyard was probably like a third of that. That's disgusting. Like there was just so many. And you can buy these like fly traps I learned, which they come in like little containers and you fill them up with water, but it's with dried fecal matter in it. They get attracted to that scent. You don't smell it. Right. But they go into it and then you just like lock the lid and they'll die in there. And then you throw it out. Wild. 
Nothing bothers me more than a sticky fly trap. Ugh. Like the amount of times you will like when you have to unravel them. That's so gross. And then they're stuck together already. Yeah. You're trying to undo it, and then you hang it, and then the wind comes, smacks you in the face. No dignity. None. Fly traps out. out. <laughs> but like the shots, even of like the flies up close. I was like, is this real? I think it might be. I actually don't know. Because I was know. like, this like is such a like macro shot. Mm-hmm. Every time they showed it, I was like, what am I looking at? Right. Until I realized, I thought it was like the tip of an eraser, but I was like, those are two eyes of a fly. Mm-hmm. Good work. Another thing of just like effects and editing, the opening, like when they're touring the house, I really liked that scene, but it also it got very annoying very quickly. Mm-hmm. In the movie, there is um, Kathy and George. Is her name Kathy? Yep. It sounded weird saying it out together. It's like, <laughs> I felt like they were family friends, you know, like Kathy and George down the street. When Kathy and George are touring the house with the real estate agent, they go into each bedroom and they kind of go up the stairs and she's like, oh, like, are you married? Like asking them all these like random questions about their life that has nothing to do with buying the house. It randomly will cut to murder scenes. Yes. The sound design of that. Like, it was so loud. And the first one caught me off guard. I jumped because it was it was so much louder than them talking. But then it happened, like, five more times. And I was like, okay, we get it. They died in this house. This is the second time we're going through this already. There was a lot of just technique within the filmmaking that I really enjoyed. But it is the sound design that truly ruins it. Mm-hmm. Um, nice that the dog lived. Lovely that the dog lived. Yeah. Even went back for the dog, specifically. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Even though, like, it dug until it's... Feet were blading. Um, uh, Oh, there's the pill. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like in terms of, like, effectiveness overall, the movie just... I was saying yesterday, fine movie, not great for modern audiences. No. A lot of people, like, I was reading reviews online, so I was like, am I the only one who feels like this movie's not good? And a lot of people, like, love this movie. But I think it's because saw it at a young age and they have this like or there's like an emotional connection to it where it's the first horror movie they saw or because like i appreciate it for what it is but i will i'm never gonna watch it again no i think i'm gonna rewatch the 2005 version though the 2005 version is very good i haven't seen it in a long time i haven't either i I probably watched it 10 years ago Mm -hmm. more so the movie like you said did super well at the box office Mm -hmm. most successful independent movie of its time but it did not ever do well critically it, no. it was not well received, and it was not seen as an effective movie, like, even then. story in general. No. Do you want to talk about the real-life story in comparison to the movie? Because I've got a lot to say. So, as we know, Amityville Horror is based on a novel, which is based on an actual events. I think a lot of people know the story of the DeFeo family murders, so I'm not going to talk about that a lot, but I will just say that, um, so Ronald DeFeo Jr., that's true, he murdered his family. Their family has light mafia ties, and his dad was very abusive. It was not a good situation. He had threatened multiple times and said that he was going to kill his father. He was going to kill his family. He had tried to leave a couple of times. His dad, as abusers tend to do, had him come back to the home when he was like 23. And he did end up snapping and he murdered his entire family. The widely accepted version of events is that he did it on his own. He shot them all in their sleep and he went to prison. There is a lot of confusion around the story and how it actually happened because of details like the entire family 
being face down in their mm-hmm. beds. He had a sister, and there were some rumors of them having maybe a strange relationship. So there is talk that maybe she was involved, and then he ended up killing her as well. He's never given a clear story. He's told something like 12 different versions of mm-hmm. what actually happened. Because there was, I know, I remember reading, there was, like, the mafia one. Mm-hmm. There was one, like, because didn't, after this all happened, that night, he left the house showered yeah and was like somebody just killed my family he went to work the next morning 6 a.m he left the house around four got to work at six all day was kind of talking about how oh so weird my family's not answering the phone and then he went to a bar after with his friends and left the bar and said it's so weird that no one's answering so i'm gonna go home so he went home then he came back to the bar when came inside and said my family's been dead like my family's been dead my family's been murdered you guys have to come so they went back when the police first came, he was not considered a suspect. He was super distraught, and he had said, if you're going to look into someone, look into this person who had a tie to the mafia. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until maybe like a day or two days later that they found um, some evidence in his room, essentially. Yeah. And that is when he became a suspect, and he broke pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. And Well, I know, but then also, like, after he broke, he was like... Well, actually, no, it was the mafia. They came and forced me to do this. And then he said it was his sister. Who shot the dad, who then she, he shot her, and then... There was another story where him and his sister, whose name was Dawn, that him and Dawn made an agreement that they were going to kill their parents, but they were never going to kill the kids, and that she had friends come by, Mm -hmm. and that it got out of hand. There's truly, like, several versions of events, and he's never, he never told the same consistent story. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty impossible to know what actually happened. Yeah, and we never will now. No. So then, Kathy and George Lutz did actually move into that house a year later. What we actually can call fact in this story is very little. So let's start with what we definitely know for sure. So in December of 1975, George and Kathy move into the house at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. They have their dog and they have their three children. Less than four weeks later, January 13th, 1976, they left the house with just the clothes on their backs and they never went back. The Lutzes owned a successful family business, and though they'd put a fair amount of money into the house, they were not known to be financially in trouble. They weren't known to be storytellers or scammers. They were, by all accounts, a very normal family just trying to raise their kids. But soon after, they fled the house. They sold it at a substantial loss, and they had to sell nearly everything in the home from a distance. Situation didn't end up well for them. That really honestly makes up what we can say for certain about their experience. Everything else is up for interpretation. So shortly after they left the house, a book editor introduced George and Kathy to Jay Anson. He is a professional writer who published a number of books about films and film personalities in the 1970s. The Lutzes never worked directly with Jay, but they submitted about 45 hours of tape-recorded recollection, which he used to base the book on. The Amityville Horror was published in 1977, and it has sold more than 11 million copies since. It was very shortly after that that the rights were sold and the movie was made. At the time of the release, like we said, it was the most successful independent movie. It grossed over $86 million, but it always suffered critically. It was not well received. In the early 80s, a writer named John Jones met George and Kathy through mutual friends in California, and they asked him to continue telling their story, to tell the story of what happened after they left the house, and he agreed. His first book, Amityville Horror 2, was published in 1983. Within a week, it was on the New York Times bestseller list, and soon after, it became an international bestseller. Because Amityville is a town, the normal trademark and copyright protections don't often apply, so any book 
TV, movie, anything can use the word Amityville to imply some connection to the story. And that's what sort of continued to bury the actual story under these layers of retellings and factually incorrect variations. So here are some things that we can lay to rest. So the original story, written by Jay Hansen, was absolutely embellished. Some truths were omitted, and generally, many mistakes were made. So certain things like, you know, they said that they called the cops on certain nights, and the cops, there is no record of cops ever being called. Things like that. Um, so though it was reportedly based on the Lutz's own tapes, those tapes have never been released, and there is doubt that they ever existed at all. I was going to say, I wonder if there is these tapes ever anywhere. No one can say. There was very compelling rumors, and this is something that you can find a lot about, and I would say that this is sort of the number one thing that discredits their story. Basically, there was this rumor that the Lutzes concocted this entire story with an attorney from the DeFeo trial in 1976. So this attorney, deeply involved in the case, he claimed that he, George, and Kathy fabricated the story over a few bottles of wine one night, and then they got into contact with the writer, and it all snowballed from there. But they would all end up suing each other at different times, and he offered no notes, no agreements to prove his allegations, and the Lutzes consistently denied the story. So nothing has ever truthfully come of that, but it does discredit their story in a lot of ways, if there is any truth to it. So over the years, and under a considerable amount of pressure, George and Kathy have never changed their story. They're both dead now. Uh, she died uh, in 2004 of emphysema, and he died in like 2006 of heart disease, I believe. Anyways, they maintained their entire lives that what was in the book was, quote, mostly true, but they did allow that there were some errors and embellishments, which has been proven because the book has been reprinted a number of times, and they've changed details over the years. Mm, to the Bible. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They both took lie detector tests in June of 1979 by someone who was like a world-renowned lie detector person. What's um, that called? I was trying to think of the word, but I could not. There's a definite word for it that mm -hmm. I cannot nope. remember. Um, polygraph reader? <laughs> Conductor? Conductor of the lie Professional? Uh, so they took that test in 1979. They both passed. 25 years later, in a documentary, George said, I believe this has stayed alive for 25 years because it is a true story. It doesn't mean that everything that has ever been said about it is true. It's certainly not a hoax. It's real easy to call something a hoax. I wish it was, and it's not. I would say that it is worth noting that quote-unquote true horror stories were not a lucrative industry in 1976. So The Exorcist, for instance, had been published, but it had been published as fiction. And films like Poltergeist, like things that would prove to be profitable storytelling, were years in the future. Mm -hmm. In fact, the unexpected success of Amityville helped to create the genre, and the Lutzes didn't get rich from the books or the movies. They received a portion of the royalties and licensing fees for some of the books and a few movies, but it wasn't much, and it didn't last long, and both of them struggled financially for the rest of their lives. Some more inconsistencies that have come up over the years... The house is not built on an Indian burial ground, but the Lutzes actually never said that. Many of the unauthorized books and films speculated about energy fields, burial grounds. There was a whole thing about potential witches and warlocks and other sort of unprovable histories about the property. None of those things were put forward by the Lutzes, and none of them have a strong basis in provable historical fact. Um, the Amityville Historical Society has many times stated that none of those things are true. The house remained empty for months after the Lutzes left, but when it was bought in 1977, 
The family that moved in reported that the fixtures claimed to be damaged in the books through supernatural occurrences were definitely not. What was in the house was original, had never been repaired or replaced. There were no strange smells and no apparitions. This red room that was found in the basement was always open and it would have been seen and explored by any person who was viewing the house. So it wouldn't have been a surprise in the way that they said they sort of quote unquote found it. But... Even though no one who has lived there since has ever encountered anything, the Lutzes said as soon as they left that whatever it was followed them. And they made those statements before anybody moved into the house. Mm. In the end, all we sort of know is that a very apparently happy and stable young family moved into this dream house on Long Island. And less than a month later, they decided never to go back. They abandoned these their lives and had no money, no jobs, no plan for no reason at all. So I guess we kind of have like three explanations. Either they decided to risk their livelihood on some sort of get-rich-quick hoax that failed, or the family was victim to some undiagnosed case of hysteria or group delusion, otherwise known as folly-a-do, which is one of my favorite words. Um, but there was no... His- the Amityville folly-a-do? Folly-a-do, yeah. What a mouthful. Yeah. I'm wondering if there was some sort of like carbon monoxide, you know, something like that, where it's like... But nothing ever came with anybody else that lived there. I was going to say, did the children ever say anything? I'm not entirely sure, actually. Um, I wonder if they have any recollection of anything that happened to them as children. You could probably look it up. Yeah, I'm probably not going to. Okay. Either way, there was no history of mental illness with any anybody, and there was no reported use of drugs or alcohol between Kathy or George. Number three, the family was plagued by some force that drove them to insanity and that the entity followed them and they never fully recovered and which one do you believe i don't know on any given day i could be swayed other way i don't think that these people all had a case of shared psychosis a get rich quick hoax feels so silly to me and i have a really hard time investing in that especially in 1977 six but i also can't say that a lot of the evidence doesn't point towards that maybe they all experienced something and like i kind of was talking about with the warrens too here's what i was thinking about the warrens involvement because amityville is one of those things that people often point to the warrens stopped by for a night they were not heavily involved and they one thing that like lorraine has stated is when they stopped by they like barely knew what why they were called right they didn't know about the five murders right they didn't know what, like, the Lutz family or their story. Because mm-hmm. this was before the book was published. So they had no actual reason to go other than they were like, can you come look at this place? Right. Part of me believes the story. Because have you ever seen the infamous photo? We can get into that after. Yeah, and that's kind of been discredited as well. I know, but... what I, Well, what I was just going to say was, you know, like I talked about with the Warrens, what you believe about the afterlife and all of that sort of dictates what you think can be happening in this mm-hmm. realm, in this existence. I'm not going to make any sort of grand statements about that because whatever, it's up to personal opinion. So maybe Lorraine Warren, as a clairvoyant person, goes into this home and feels the energy because factually and legitimately an entire family was murdered there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Maybe this family moves into this house, maybe not like a shared psychosis perhaps, but... Maybe some weird things did happen, and it's exacerbated and made way worse by the fact that all of them know an entire family was murdered there. Well, it also doesn't help that 
as part of the mortgage, like their $80,000 mortgage, $400 of it was all the original furniture that the original family had owned. And they kept it. They kept it all. The beds. They had everything. Like, I don't... Regardless of what you think about Mm -hmm. ghosts, to have a family move into there with everything still there a year later, it's not insane to me that something would have happened or an energy would have affected them. Yeah. Also, like, they will be very well aware, I'm sure, that that trial was not something that wrapped up within a year of them moving in there. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure that he was still going through a court system and still, like... So, it was something that's still constantly in the news. Mm -hmm. It's not something that they can just, like, kind of, like, okay, let's paint the walls and wrap it up. And, like, we'll try to forget about it. It probably was in the media constantly. Well, you're also in a town where everybody fucking knows. Yeah. And, like, all the neighbors will. Yeah. They didn't have time to make friends. They don't know anybody outside of, like, that... No. ...specific area. So... I really, really don't know. I've read and heard and listened to so many different things about the DeFeo murders, about mm-hmm. Kathy and Georgia Lutz's experiences, and I have a very hard time forming an opinion on it that I can keep. Fair. Um, what do you think? I feel like I'm in the same boat. Like, part of me does believe that something supernatural did occur because I do believe in, like, I have a more spirituality view rather than like a religious view yeah like i do think that there is something else Mm -hmm. but i don't know what that is Mm -hmm. also but i also do believe that there can be evil entities because if you have good you're gonna have some sort of like opposite but also like i just i don't know about like their whole story you know like if they're all having this weird shared psychosis what who's to say that that other family didn't we just have the one count of robert oh well, and I think that's what people tried to say mm-hmm. is, okay, so Robert DeFeo Jr. goes mad and then George goes mad. So what's happening here? And then they do the whole, well, there was a satanic ritual and then there was the mm-hmm. Indian burial grounds. None of those things were true. He just no. lived in a super abusive home. Yeah. That's it. So we mentioned that Ed Lorraine Warren did stop by mm-hmm. and they did go into the house. There was one quote that she said, which was kind of interesting. She said, as I was going up the stairs, I reached the point where it felt like it was a force of water coming against my chest, like a waterfall. Um, and this was kind of her initial feeling when she first got into the home. Um, she said, it was the worst feeling I've ever felt. I stopped on the landing and held so tight to the relic. I'll explain the relic after. Okay. Um, that was in her hand and asked for strength and direction in going forward and that the place felt extremely ominous. Mm-hmm. So... In another interview, this was, I think, in 2005 when the remake had come out. Lorraine was speaking about how in the mail that day, she randomly received this relic in which she just felt like it was supposed to come with her to, like, this new place they were going to. Okay. And it was supposed to protect her. What was it? I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was, like, a cross or if it was um, some holy regalia type of thing. Right. But... Just, like, coincidentally, she, like, checked her mail that day, and there was this relic that, like, she, like, had this strong, like, inkling to take with her, Mm -hmm. ended up helping her, like, get through this house. Right. That's just, like, weird on its own, that she was like, I got this mail, I'm gonna take it with me. So, the one thing that, like, I remember seeing this photo when I was younger. Yeah. So, there was, like, this alleged photo that was taken inside of the house Mm -hmm. in 1976. It has become one of the most famous i would say paranormal quote-unquote paranormal photos of all time in this photo 
they had they as an Ed and Lorraine Warren had a professional film crew with them. Why? They were there with the news channel. Oh. But so there was an image that was taken which was on the second floor landing in the house. And it was kind of um angled towards bedrooms and like kind of the staircase on the left hand side of the photo. But this camera was an automatic camera that took infrared pictures at night and it was equipped with black and white film. Gene Campbell, who was the one who supposedly captured this photo, he captured a quote-unquote Amityville ghost, which was a boy, or people have speculated, the ghost of the murdered child, John... How do you say the last name? Defeo. 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 I was going to say Defeo. Who lived in the house prior to the Lutzes. Other people were thinking that it was just one of the investigators working with Ed Ed and Lorraine that night, Mm -hmm. who was Paul Bartz. And in this photo, the child's eyes are... Glowing. Glowing. They're white. But that could also be due to a flash going off, to the infrared film itself. Dozens of websites apparently have tried to prove and disprove, like, it is certain people and it's not. But no one has, like, concretely been like, this is actually this person. Right. Or this is, this is what it is. Right. But yeah, still freaky photo. It is. I, I hate looking at it. And... The photo that I have here, it, like, has a side-by-side of the boy and John DeFeo. And I'm not going to lie, they do kind of look similar. It's pretty compelling evidence. I would not say that that is a grown man. No, but there's also been people saying that it was one of the Lutz's children as well. Because she had kids around that age. Right. That is fair. Yeah. Fair evidence. Yeah. I kind of want to just quickly touch on the 2005 Mm -hmm. um, movie. Yeah. In promotion for, like, the film's premiere, James Brolin and Margot Kidder went and visited the actual house. For the 2005 movie? I think so. This was for an interview during the 2005 Oh, okay. They both said that they didn't buy anything that happened in the book. Yeah, and he actually became quite close with George Letts. He said he got along with him really well, but he never believed their story. Yeah. So, Margot Kidder, who plays Kathy in the movie... In the original. Yes, in the original one, um, would always tell producers or, like, anybody on the film, like, that they'll never tell if they believe or anything. Um, But then, in 2005, she told this interview... I don't know who interviewed them, but they said that the producers told them that they're supposed to say all of these terrible things happened um, on set. Like, specifically, they wanted to have, like, a similar... Or just, like, have, like, that storyline of, like, you know... The studio had told them in when they were filming the 1976 version, in order to get press, they were supposed to tell stories of things that had happened on set mm-hmm. that never happened. And they both never did. No. James Brolin would say, like, oh, yeah, like, you wouldn't believe the stuff that happened yesterday. My lunch fell off my table and into my lap. Mm-hmm. Like, they would do stupid little, like... Quips. Which is kind of funny. I yeah. like that. Um... But then, nope, there's no more but then. Well, it is interesting, though, that the studio tried to get them to lie. Yeah. You look at something like The Exorcist, and you wonder, is any of that fabricated? Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking about Poltergeist, too, but all of the Poltergeist lore is based upon the fact that many people died, which is a right. very different thing than, oh, we had a lot of onset mishaps. Right. Because didn't people die in The Exorcist or after? They did, but it was just a very different thing. Right. Just interesting that, like, the production studio was like, we're going to fully just pull this stunt out of the bag. Uh, but, I mean, they've been doing it for years. I know, but it didn't work. It didn't work. I think we talked about this off 
Mike. off the record. Yeah. Um, but Ronald DeFeo Jr., he was serving 25 years to life in prison um, from 1974, died at the age of 69 in March of 2021. So only two months ago. God, he was only 69. Yeah. Feels like he should have been, you know. 85. Yes. Like another 20 years. Very interesting that around this time he only died two months ago. Yeah. And I was going through so many articles because I was like, there's no way that this article came out in March. I was like, there's no, I was like, this must be wrong. He must have died either like years and years ago. Or this or, is just wrong. <laughs> yeah, this is wrong. But no, he, he did die two months ago. And he never. Yeah, never. Gave a straight story. No. God, I hate that shit. I just want to know. I know. It like it makes you mad, but also at the same time it's just like, you know what? What's done is done. Mm-hmm. His whole family that happened so many years ago. I listened to a really interesting uh talk by this medium who was talking about how mm-hmm. she gets asked a lot why she doesn't offer her services to solve crimes, and she was saying how when you start to cultivate your skills as a medium, you have a choice to make. Are you going to allow those energies to permeate your world all the time? Because if you are, that's inviting a lot into your life. Mm-hmm. But something she talked about that I felt was really interesting and also incredibly calming is she was talking about, say, the John Bonet case. Mm-hmm. And she was like, when those victims cross over into this other plane of existence, what we have dictated as justice in our world doesn't apply anymore. So those people are not looking to be heard about this thing because it doesn't matter to them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything to them to say, and his name was blank, and this is what he did. These were people with entire lives and souls that are not defined by this five minutes or whatever it is yep. that ended their life. Something about that is so soothing because I think about people who have died or been lost. If they are existing in this other plane of existence, are they feeling unfulfilled or unsatisfied? But basically this medium was like those emotions and those feelings and those feelings of guilt or shame or uh, like a lack of justice, like none of that is felt by them in mm-hmm. that world anymore. It's like, it is comforting to hear because it's just like, we can let it go. Yeah. But like also like, yes, sometimes it is nice and it is, I'm, I'm hoping helpful to those who are still alive dealing with situations like of that. Of course. Um, to have closure yes. for something like that. Absolutely. And I'm not, you know, I'm not making any grand statements about that because I've not been in the situation where I can give my valid opinion. Mm-hmm. But there is something mm-hmm. about it where if you can know concretely that for that person, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't have to define our closure by that standard mm-hmm. of okay but then if i know then i can be fine yeah but and then it's not to say that those people who did commit those crimes should not be held accountable oh no of course means. not no, no um no yeah i agree with what you're saying shall we take a little turn sure as we know amityville mm-hmm. is honestly a universe in itself we have a total of 28 iterations of this movie. Oh my god. And by iterations, we mean, you know, how we talked about with copyright using Amityville. Just sticking that word onto something yeah. means they can tie it to the original. And following the original book, there's a total of nine other novels. So none of the films are direct sequels to each other. But parts one, two, and four are the only films that are based off books in the series Mm -hmm. and establish references within each other. Okay. So there is some that are like, it'll reference the Lutzes or it'll reference the DeFeos. But there was one that came out recently, which was Amityville, The Awakening. Did you ever watch it? 
It was in 2017. Bella Thorne? It's a Bella Thorne movie. I did not watch it. Um, So I was aware that this movie had come out. I remember seeing the trailer. Cameron Mon... The kid from Shameless is in it. But it's a meta film. What does that mean? So the characters in the film are existing in this like universe where they live in the house but they also bring the original movie and they watch it oh what yeah that's wild so it's this weird like meta of like we live in this house now but we also are aware that there is a movie that is made and we are watching it Mm -hmm. i don't know what to think about that i'm not gonna watch any more of these other than the original but what i wanted to do i'm going to read you some of the brief synopsis of some of these films, and I want you to guess the title of them. Oh my god, okay. Okay? Okay. I grabbed a couple. Okay. Some of them, I'm like, wh- like, what? Okay. There's one that came out in 2020, mm-hmm. and I do think that we should watch it. So the first one... Are they all going to have Amityville in the title? Yes. Okay. A reporter moves into the Amityville house in defiance of the supernatural events connected to it and finds everything around him besieged by the evil manifestations which are connected to the demonic presence in the basement. And the tagline for this movie, warning, in this movie, you are the victim. Oh god, okay. This one's kind of just starting off pretty plain, baffled by the fact that this was actually made into a movie. Mm, bamboozled. I was like, it is not bamboozled. (laughs) (laughs) Amityville. The re... Amityvilling? No. Okay. This was Amityville 3D. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. I hate that shit. They made one in... Oh, I didn't write the year down. I'm pretty sure it was 1982 or 3. Early 80s, a third one came out, and they already made it into 3D. Th- then? Yes. Wow. It was only the third one out of 28 that we have. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Another. Okay. In disregard of the shocking DeFeo murders... An unsuspecting family moves into the infamous house on 112 Ocean Avenue. Now, ghostly apparitions start to appear in their video surveillance system. Can they survive the Amityville haunting? Amityville surveillance. No, it was Amityville haunting. (laughs) I said it right there. You know what? That's okay. I'm saving the best one for last. Oh my, I'm not going to get any of these. I'm not even going to get close. I panic under pressure. It's fine. You're doing great. You're doing great. Thank you. A children's dollhouse, which is a miniature version of the infamous Long Island house, Mm -hmm. they don't say the Amityville house, just the Long Island house, is given to a young girl where demonic evil soon comes out to cause more terror. Tiny Amity. Amityville dollhouse. Shit, god fucking damn it. (laughs) It's always on the nose. They're right on the nose. Um, Interesting. Could you imagine giving your child like, hey. This was a murder house. And another family claims it's haunted. That weirdly seems like something I would do. Yeah, me too. Should we make one? <laughs> you know, like how they have those miniature garden, like, houses? Yes. Should we get, like, a miniature Amityville? I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Okay. The last one that I'm going to say. Okay. Kathy moves into a new home and soon comes into contact. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to start over. This is the one that I think we should watch. Okay. Kathy moves... <laughs> <laughs> Kathy moves into a new home. I can't get through this. Kathy moves into a new home and soon comes in contact with a vibrator with ancient evil power. Two researchers must locate this possessed item before Kathy or anyone else she encounters becomes a sex slave for Satan. Kathy Lutz. We don't know. That is really denigrating a dead woman. That would be awful. Anyways, what do you think the title of this one's called? Ugh. Amityville the Coming. (laughs) 
Amityville vibrator. God fucking damn it. Like, is that... <laughs> um, but let me tell you. So, the original tagline for this mo- for the original Amityville house... Yes. What is this? Horror? What is this original movie called now? Horror. The Amityville Horror. Yes. I was going to say house a bunch of times. Anyways, the original tagline is, for God's sake, get out. And... Oh, this looks... This mm. looks absolutely awful. Also, it's not supposed to be... It's not supposed to be Kathy Lutz, but... No, but it got a 6.6 on IMDb. The pictures are... Like, everyone says that it's god-awful, but, like, that it works. Okay. Um, But the tagline is, for God's sake, get off. That's funny. That's pretty funny. It only came out last year. I'll give them that. So... You know what? Say what you will. Sounds pretty good. We're gonna watch it. Okay. But just another couple. There is also an Amityville prison. Prison? Yes, um, which is also renamed Against the Night. So okay. I think that they kind of just wrote that off. There is one called Amityville Vanishing Point where a resident of a local boarding house dies under mysterious circumstances. Mm-hmm. But then the poster says it's featuring hit songs from Matt Ellen. Do you know who that is? No. Captain Morris. No. 12 Bore. <laughs> and the photography by Moth Dust. Oh, oh, <sighs> Moth Dust. Yeah. Oh my so, God. So, uh... That came out in 2016. We gotta watch it. The hit songs, you know? This is giving me Leprechaun Deja Vu, where there's 700 Leprechauns. I don't want anything to do with any of them. Other than... The bitch is back. From the hood to Hollywood. There is a plethora. Oh my god. What? I just thought of it. What? Why has nobody done the Amityville podcast? Oh, I'm sure they have. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. (laughs) You know what? But why not the Amityville Titanic? That's so weird because the entire time that you were talking, my brain, when you were talking about like titles, kept going Amityville Ghost Ship, Amityville Ghost Ship. I <laughs> love a ghost be. ship. We have to watch Ghost Ship. We do have to watch it. I don't ghost think ship. I've ever seen it. We've talked about this. Yeah, let's watch it. I found this review on Letterboxd from another Zach. It was just a quick little funny comedy moment from him. And it said, me at the beginning of Amityville. I have no idea why this is so revered. It is not frightening or memorable in any way. Me after seeing the spooky eyes in the window. You know, the Amityville series has always been very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I think we should... No. We're going to leave it at that. I agree. Let's write it. Let's do that. Scary. Two. I was going to say two, too. Yeah. I've really found it more annoying than anything. Me too. What was the 70s? Drugs. <laughs> Political unrest. Yes. Terror. Fashion choices. Fashion choices. Margo Kidder's pigtails. I don't... We're not even getting... Okay. We're no... Unsettling. Pigtails alone? Seven. Movie? One. I put three. Okay. But the real life events? Eight. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like the murder itself? Very scary. Yes. Also, can we go back to Margo's little weird white onesie she wore and in the mirror when yes. she was doing those weird poses? What was that? She had one legging on. She had like this weird like... I think she was actually wearing like a compression... Um, sleeve on her leg because she was dancing, and then well, I, and she was wearing like a negligee. Could have done without that. Could have done without it. She also had a weird schoolgirl outfit on at one point when she yeah. was bringing the groceries in. Yeah, why? I don't know. There she... were so many weird questions about that. There was. At one point, she answers the phone. She goes, "Hello, hello," <laughs> and that was my favorite part. I really like her as an actress. She was a good Lois Lane back in the day, the OG. In this one, no, unsettling. We already did it. Oh, sorry. Story. <laughs> Four. I gave it a two point five. All right. Was it a paper cut or was it a bloody massacre? It was um, some priest blisters on the palm. He's going to survive. It was fine. It was a little bit, but that's about it. Yeah. I just put that 
it was a paper cut that doesn't bleed. You know, it was one of those again. We said it before, but I wish something actually happened to it other than just like a little split of the skin. Yeah, it was stung and it wasn't worth it at yeah, all. Yeah, no, put some polyspore and call it a day. It's what they should have done to that house. Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. Polyspore in the walls, easy. Bloody walls, polyspore. <laughs> that reminded me of that stupid commercial where it was like head on, apply directly to the forehead. It was bloody, bloody walls, walls. polyspore. There we go. That has been <laughs> another episode of the Bloody Podcast, Kurt. God, it felt like we were here for 15 minutes and it's been an hour and 30. Wow. And remember when I was like, I didn't even watch the full fucking movie. <laughs> we have opinions, opinions, opinions. If you would like, you can follow us at Podcastacre on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Yes. Check us out on YouTube at the Bloody Podcastacre. Like, subscribe, comment, leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We've got a couple and they mean a lot. You can send us an email at thebloodypodcastacre at gmail.com. Until next time. For God's sake. Get out.